You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. It's good to be together. Glad to have you here. Welcome. For those of you who haven't had a chance to meet, I'm Sean, and I am uh, one of the elders, one of the preachers here, and uh, glad to be together uh, today. We've gone through our Advent season and our Advent series, and we're continuing to work, work through it. Um, now, we've been looking at these different characters in the Christmas story, and the first uh, week in our series, we looked at John the Baptist, who is um, unusually included in the Christmas story. Normally, he's not part of the Christmas story, as we think of, but um, when, we, when we heard that sermon from Matt, it was a great sermon, and he, he talked about John the Baptist who, who, who pointed at the Messiah and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He pointed not only um, to the Messiah himself, but also pointed to our need for a Messiah, it reminded us that we, we all need a Messiah desperately in our lives. The next week after that, we took a look at Mary um, and this amazing woman of faith and what her uh, response was to this angel Gabriel who showed up and, and explained to her that she was about to, to get pregnant, even though she'd never been with a man. Um, incredible, incredible faith um, and, and one that we should all look to emulate. Um, and then the next week we looked at Mary and Elizabeth and their interactions together as they came together and as really they worshiped together. And so we talked about worship and what does that mean for our lives and, and what should our worship look like um, with God? And all of the characters um, in the Christmas story are familiar to most, most of us. Um, and, and this week we're going to be looking at the shepherds. Um, and I was kind of thinking as I began to prep, I wanted to try to like keep things fresh and new. And I was trying to like come up with new ways of saying things or thinking through things. And I mentioned that to the preaching team and, and my um, older brother, Gary Brashears, I called him my big brother last service, but he's, he's not as tall as I am, I don't think. So um, my older brother, Gary Brashears, he so profoundly said this, he said, Sean, Christmas is not about something new. It is about remembering something old. And so that's what I want to do today, is I want to uh, remember this story together, these shepherds together. They're interesting characters because um, a lot of times I think we think of them as kind of a lowly position, and maybe it's because of the sort of remote uh, lifestyle that they led. They were out in the fields with the livestock, and so they weren't necessarily like in town in the mix of everything all the time. Um, but we think of, think of them that way, and, and I think because of this, maybe we've sort of downgraded them in, in the story, the Christmas story, um, and we think of them only like when we put up the nativity and they're out by the donkey and the sheep that are in the nativity. Um, but the shepherds are a group of guys that, that are super important. They're central in the Christmas story, and there's a lot that we can learn from them as we look at their lives. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2, starting in one, verse 1, working through verse 20. Um, and this part of the Christmas story I love. When my kids who are here, hi kids. Yeah, okay. Hi kids. Okay, when they were growing up, um, we had an a, a advent calendar like many of you. And so we would move like the, the Christmas tree to the next little pocket each day. And I would write, or my wife would write, normally I would write them um, a little clue or a riddle or something for them to kind of like figure out and um, just shove my stuff over. And yeah, you can sit there. It's great. Um, uh, Anyway, we would, we would write this little clue for them to figure out, and when they would figure it out, then they would go and find whatever it was in the house. It was usually like a little treat or a little present or, or something like that. It was, it was great. But one of the things we did is we would read this Christmas story, and as we read it, sometimes I would pause, and they would like shout out, shout out like whatever the word was. 
So if that happens while I'm reading this, it's not going to be bad. It's going to be awesome. So anyway, you're all invited to join in. Um, So I'm going to read, and then we'll pray, and then we'll remember together. All right. So Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Good job. Thank you for that. Verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told, what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray. Father, um, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Um, I invite your spirit now to work. I pray, Father, that you would move um, in and around and among us. God, I pray that you would speak through me, that you would cause me to speak words that are true and accurate and right, and that, God, you would use this time to glorify yourself, most importantly, but that you would also use this time for our good, and that, God, you would build us up, that, God, you would cause change to happen in our hearts and lives because of our time with you and our time in the word um, this morning. So, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for this time. Just pray you'll be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we hear about this decree from Caesar, um, Augustus, to, to go and basically count all the people. There's this census order issued, and they wanted to know how many people were in the entire Roman world. The Roman uh, Empire was huge, and so they were, they were counting all the people, and I love that uh, I think Caesar thought that this was his own idea. Um, and it just amuses me a little bit because what we know, because we know God and we also know about his word, um, is that this was actually part of God's plan. Uh, the, the prophet Micah, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, prophesied that this ruler, Messiah, would come from this little tiny town in the middle of nowhere called Bethlehem, and this ruler, Messiah, would be born one day. And so we know that God is using, he's exercising his authority and his sovereignty over humanity to accomplish his purposes. And so Mary and Joseph, they hear the decree, so they have to go on this journey. And so they, they sat out on this journey, and again, it was probably around 100 miles and probably a difficult journey, especially for Mary, because she was getting ready to have a baby. But she's there, um, and the time comes, and she gives birth. And then it's almost like meanwhile. We, we see these words 
in verse eight. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. I think of the shepherds um, sitting out in the field. Um, it's like a real mellow night, um, kind of like this beautiful painting. There's stars in the sky. And, and the shepherds are there kind of hanging around a fire maybe, and the sheep are like out, out just hanging around. It wasn't, I think I did a better sheep noise the last service. Anyway, um, cows I do well. I won't, I won't demonstrate, but there's sheep. They're just hanging around. And then it says, suddenly an angel of the Lord appears to them and the glory of the Lord shines around them and they're absolutely terrified. I think that they were completely awestruck. It was a completely overwhelming, awesome experience in the truest sense of the word awesome. It must have been unbelievable to them to experience this. And then the angel has this message for him and he says, don't be afraid. I've got good news for you because today the Messiah has been born. They've been waiting, they've been longing, they've been anticipating, and today it's finally here. The Messiah has been born to you. And then they have this uh, message here, because this great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel. It's more angels. I don't know how many, but there's a lot of them there. And they declare this great truth. I hear them singing this truth. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. He has this message that, that everything is here. Jesus is here. And so the first thing that I think we can learn from the shepherds is this. Let's not turn it off. We need to be hearing and receiving the message of the Messiah. And the message of the Messiah is this. Because Jesus is here, because Jesus has come, there is cause for great joy, and he's bringing peace. That's the message of the Messiah. So what do I mean by, what do I mean by peace? Because I think when we first think about peace, we, we think of uh, peace on earth and we think that maybe that means the earth will, will suddenly have no more wars. There won't be any more wars anymore. And I don't think that that's the kind of peace that is talked about here because um, I know my own heart. I know that there's sin here on earth still. And so as long as people are running around on this globe and as long as sin is still running on the globe with people, then there's gonna be wars because people do evil things. So there will be wars. That's just the truth. And so I don't think that that's the kind of peace that's being talked about here. I think that um, one day we will experience that, or I know that we will experience true peace on earth when Jesus comes back and establishes his rule and reign on the new heavens and, 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 and on the new earth. There won't be any war then. So in that sense, that's true. But for now, what does it mean for us? What kind of peace is being talked about here? And there's three kinds of peace that are being talked about here. The first is simply peace with God. Uh, the, the truth is that all of us start out um, as enemies of God. Outside of Christ, without a Messiah, we're God's enemies. Scripture talks about this really clearly. Uh, the Apostle Paul in the book of Colossians 1.21 says this, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, we were enemies of God. He says to the in his letter to the Romans, in Romans 5.10, for if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? He says here, while we were God's enemies, all of us were. And so the message of the Messiah, for those who believe, for those who hear, for those who respond to the message of the Messiah, we can have peace with God. But not just because a baby showed up, because that baby showed up because he was setting out and acting on 
his rescue mission for humanity that he had begun before the foundations of the world were even laid. And so this baby's born, he grows up into a man, he launches this mission that he's on, and for about three years, Jesus is on mission with his disciples. He's teaching, he's helping, he's healing, he's serving, he's loving, he's bringing the kingdom of God into the world. It's amazing. But then Jesus is um, arrested and tried and beaten and murdered on a cross. The reason why Jesus dies on a cross is because of your sin and because of mine. That's why Jesus died. He's put into a ground in a funeral that I think was quite poorly attended. Three days later, though, he resurrected to new life by the power of his own spirit. He ascended where he now is at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning, and then he sent his spirit Jesus came to earth, he is Emmanuel as a baby, and now he is Emmanuel as his spirit lives inside of the hearts and lives of the believers that follow him and serve him and love him and have responded to the message of the Messiah. This is why the gospel is so important for all of us. No matter what age we are, no matter how long we've worked with or walked with God, the gospel is everything to us here. One commentator I read this week said this, the gospel raises up those who have fallen down. Have you fallen down? The gospel restores those who are ruined. Maybe you feel ruined this week. He, says, he said this as well, that the gospel recalls everyone who believes from death to life. Because of the gospel, we can have peace with God. The wonderful thing is we can also have peace within ourselves. Do you feel completely at peace this Christmas season? I don't. I am somebody that I describe by myself as nervous by nature. We are an anxious people. I think maybe now, increasingly more than ever, we are an anxious people. And I was very convicted as I was praying and prepping for this sermon that even though I have walked with God for decades, I still have only barely begun to scratch the surface of the kind of peace that God wants us to experience, that he offers us. My wife, Amy, has a lot of great qualities. She loves Jesus with all that she is. It's the best thing about her, and I love this about my wife. She's really hot, which is awesome. <laughs> she talks really, really loud, which if you're trying to get a hold of somebody across the crowded football field, it's a huge asset. When you're driving in the car, it's not an asset. Uh, yes, I love you too, honey. <laughs> See, she's loud. It's great. But one of the, my favorite things about my wife is that, generally speaking, no matter what circumstance she's in in life, she has this quiet and confident peace about her. She's supremely confident, even when she shouldn't be. <laughs> she's amazing. I want to be more like that. I want to have a larger measure of faith. I want to experience that kind of peace. The Apostle Paul tells us that that kind of peace is possible. Familiar verses, familiar words. In Philippians chapter four, he says this, don't be anxious about anything. He says anything here. There's no qualifiers on it. And so we could read it this way. Don't be anxious about the work situation that you're dealing with right now. Don't be anxious about the disease that's, that's, that, that you're wrestling with that's racking your body or the body of a loved one. 
Don't be anxious about finances. Don't be anxious about uh, the relational struggles. Stop being anxious about the people that you love, that, that you see the trajectory of your, their life and you're super worried about where they're gonna be or where they're gonna end up because what you see in their life is not good and you're worried about it. Paul says, don't be anxious about that either. And I think to myself, how? Why? How is this possible? And Paul answers the question for us in the preceding verse. In verse five at the end here, he says, the Lord is near. That's how we can not be anxious because he's Emmanuel because he's God with us. And if we've received the message of the Messiah and we have peace with God, then we can have peace within ourselves because we are uh, a people that are forgiven. That means that we can be totally at peace no matter what's going on. Peace, like joy, is something that feels like it's dependent upon our circumstances in life, but is not dependent on our circumstances in life. I'm gonna say that again. Peace like joy feels like it's dependent upon our circumstances, but peace like joy is not dependent upon our circumstances in life. But if I'm honest with myself, I know for you and for me, sometimes the struggles and stresses of this world are overwhelming. And so we tend to worry, we tend to be uh, anxious, we tend to not be at peace because of money and jobs and homes and cars and relationships and illness and all kinds of things, even death. Our congregation has experienced um, several people in our congregation die in the last three or four weeks. How do you find peace in the midst of that kind of sorrow? How do you find a calm spirit when you've just lost a husband or a father or a brother or a son or a wife, or a mother, or a sister. How do you find peace? My heart breaks for those of you who are grieving and hurting this Christmas season. I have been praying that somehow, by God's grace, you would find peace. He's a God of all comfort. I've been praying for you specifically, and I'm so, I'm so sorry for what's going on with you and with your family. For those of you that are close to people, and maybe they're not your direct family, they're your church family, and so we grieve together. We grieve with you. I don't know how you find peace in that situation, but I do know that it's a process. You have, you have tissues for me? Thank you. Oh my gosh, thank you. Okay. I don't know how you find peace in that kind of situation entirely. But I do know that it's a process and it's something that we need to work through. We need to feel, we need to grieve, we need, we need to move through it somehow. So it's not an immediate thing and I know that it, it is difficult, but the fact is is that, that if, if we have the King of Kings and Lord of the Lords of our, as our Savior and Lord, then we can have peace no matter what the circumstances in our life. We can also have peace um, in the world around us and we can bring peace as we bring the kingdom of God into the world around us. And this is something that is important to me um, and I think should be important to all of us because as I look around, um, increasingly so, in the world around us, outside, but also the world inside of the church, there is so much division right now. There's so much strife, there's so much anger, there's so many things that are dividing us. And the list 
It, it goes on and on. It's Republican versus Democrat. It's men versus women. It's black versus white. It's religious versus non-religious. It goes on and on and on and on and on. And I hate this. I think it's toxic. Some things are worth fighting for and some things are worth dividing over. But listen, at our base level, every single one of us was made in the image of God, which means you have value and you have worth and you should be treated with dignity and kindness and respect. That's, that's just the truth. Inside of the gospel, aside from our humanity, we are also united by the gospel. What unites us is a blood-splattered cross, a risen Lord, and an indwelling spirit. And so we need to be family. We need to not be divided. We need to be united in our, in our walk. And we can disagree, like I said, but we need to be doing it with grace and with humility and with kindness and with respect as we look to bring the peace of God into the world around us. Two reasons why. Number one, Matthew says this in Matthew 5, 9 from the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacekeepers for they will, or excuse me, peacemakers because they will be called the children of God. God's kids are all about this. The children of God want to bring peace into the world. This is what, what this verse is saying. Also in John chapter 17, Jesus is, is, records this long prayer of Jesus and he says this, my prayer is not for them alone, that's the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Jesus here is praying that we as the church of God would be united, that we would not be divided that we would have peace with us. God's kids, those who uh, have put their faith and our hope in God, we're part of a family, and so we need to be united. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't legitimate hurts, legitimate things that need to be worked through, and sometimes the nature of the kind of sin that is done is so significant and in such a way that sometimes there needs to be necessary distance. It's sometimes impossible to reconcile all things, all people here. But I am saying that as a general rule, we should be working toward bringing that kind of peace into the world around us. So have you received the message of the Messiah? Are you right now at peace with God because Jesus is your Savior and your Messiah and your Lord? What fears and anxieties are keeping you from experiencing the peace that has been promised to you? Who in your world, both inside or outside of the church, someone at work or school, someone maybe in church, maybe somebody in this church or in this room right now? Who in your family? Who is there a feud with or division with and you need to humble yourself and go to them and seek forgiveness from them because you've sinned against them? Who do you need to go to even if you are the one who has been sinned against or wronged and say, can we talk? And maybe who do you need to forgive? The message of the Messiah is one of hope and it's one of peace and it motivated the shepherds to do some things and it should motivate us to do some things as well. So let's take a look at what, what it motivated them to do. Verse 15, it says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurry off and they find Mary and Joseph and the baby. The second thing that I see we can learn from the shepherds is that we need to be acting on God's word. The shepherds get this word. It's confirmed by the glory of the Lord. It's confirmed by these other heavenly hosts. And so they hurry off. They go right away to go do it. They are acting on God's word. And this should be our response as well. Now, um, I know that I am not an angel. 
and that none of us on the preaching team are, except Matt. No, Matt's family's like, he's definitely not an angel. Um, he's not, but he's a, he's a great man. Um, I know I'm not an angel, but like God's word through the angel to the shepherds, when you come to church and when we come to church and we sit under scripture being preached and taught over us, there is an authority there that goes with it. It's called formative discipline. We are being formed by God through the power of his word. When we sit and read the Bible, when we flip through the pages of scripture and we read and we soak in the very word of God, Matt called uh, the Bible spirit-saturated pages. I love that. When we are taking in the word of God, then our response should be to respond and act on God's word, whatever it says, wherever it says it. And so if we are God's kids, if Jesus is our savior, then our lives should increasingly look like it in increasing measure. My buddy Clint, he loves the book of James. It's his favorite book. And uh, take a look at what James says here. I think he loves it because it's so practical and applicable for our lives. Verse 21, be humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Somehow God uses the power of his word through the power of his spirit by the blood of Jesus to literally save us, to make us into new people. He says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. We need to be a people who do what God's word says. We need to do this in community. It's one of the reasons why I love being part of a church family because we discover God together and we do God's word um, in community. Later on, we're gonna have baptisms. God tells us as the church to go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. All right, we do this in community. We're being obedient to God's word. The people that are coming to be baptized, they're being obedient to God's word because God tells us to repent, believe, and be baptized. Maybe this morning you're recognizing, you know what, I love God. Or maybe you're discovering this morning, I want to know God, I want to be in his family, and you've never been baptized. Today's the day. We've got water, it's warm, we've got clothes, we've got towels, we've got everything you need. And so uh, after the service, if you wanna be baptized, we are already having one schedule, but we would love to baptize you today, all right? If that's you, come over to the side here, we'll have one of our elders over here to talk to you. But, but we would love to baptize you as you choose to follow God's word that way. So, are you hearing God's word? Are you reading God's word? And are you, like the shepherds, acting on God's word? I think this Christmas, a good thing for all of us to do would be to honestly take a moment and evaluate our heart and lives. Take more than a moment. Take some time. Evaluate our heart, evaluate our life, evaluate our motives and priorities, and evaluate our actions. And then honestly ask the Spirit of God, God, is there anything here, anything in my life that you see that is inconsistent with your word and with your ways? Because for some of us, there are. All of us at times have those seasons in life, some of them significant seasons, and there's significant sin that's gone undealt with. I've been in seasons like that in my life. All right, so if that's you, and when you spend that time asking God, God, is there anything in my life that, that doesn't honor you? When he shows you that, when he tells you that, when you find places that there are things in your life that need to be dealt with that are sinful, I have a message for you. Like the angel's message to the, Messiah, or to the shepherds, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. 
because we have a Messiah. He's here. He's the Lord. He's ready to forgive. He's ready to heal. He's ready to save. He's ready to bring life to your life. He's ready to help you put away these old sins and live a life shame-free, full of grace, full of mercy, full of hope, full of peace with him and with ourselves. That is the message of the Messiah. So will you receive that from him today? The shepherds were also motivated to do some other things here. Verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. The third thing we can learn here is that the shepherds tell the story of the Messiah, and we should too. If Jesus is your savior, if you are a child of the king, then you have a story to tell. And my encouragement is to be ready to tell your story because this world is hurting and they desperately need to hear about this Messiah who can save, who wants to save, who's ready to save, who's ready to heal, who's ready to bring hope. People need the hope that you have. And so be ready to tell your story at work and at school and in your neighborhoods and at your homes. Maybe for some of you, that means that you are inviting somebody to Christmas Eve service who doesn't know the Lord. We have two services again, three and five, this Friday night. Come, it's gonna be an amazing time. Maybe for some of you, it is about starting a dialogue about the Lord with somebody that you've known for a really long time. Maybe we just never actually talk to them about the Lord. Maybe for others of you, it'll be about going on a short-term mission trip. I don't know what that's gonna look like for you, but we are called to tell the story of the Messiah. That's what we should be about as God's kids. And I have some comfort and some encouragement. We can leave the results to God. The Apostle Paul said this, I plant, Apollos watered, and God makes things grow. If Paul and Apollos can only plant and water and God has to make things grow, then all you and I can do is plant and water and God has to make things grow. And so we can leave, leave the results to him. The shepherds went around and told everybody about this. It says that everybody was amazed. But it doesn't say that everybody believed. And so we can trust the Lord with our message of his Messiah. The last thing is this. I'll invite the worship team at this point. In verse... Uh, let me go back one. Verse 19, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. On Christmas Eve, that's what we're going to be looking at. We're gonna be looking at how Mary ponders these things in her heart. It says, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all of the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, the fourth thing that I see we learn from the shepherds is just simply to worship. It's just to worship this great God of ours. Uh, in our story, we read about this great company of the heavenly host that appears with the angel and they're praising God and they're singing. Um, when I was a kid, uh, growing up in high school, I sang in choir. And one of the things that our choir director would do was take us down into the basement of our school because it was all concrete, floor, walls, ceiling, everything. The acoustics were amazing down there. And we would go down there and sing a cappella. and our choir director was a believer. And so um, we would always sing these like gospel and spiritual songs. And so one of the times we went down there and we're singing and we broke into eight-part harmony, it was unbelievable the sound that happened down there that day. The angel sounded even better. And I think you will too as we worship this great God of ours. Sometimes we do it through song. Sometimes we do it through painting. It's amazing. Sometimes we do it through speaking God's word out loud. Sometimes we do it through confession and repentance. So this time is for you. Let us, let's worship God this morning. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. 
For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.